Hello there, and welcome to the Joyfully Black Podcast, where we have candid conversations with Black women on nourishing their mental well-being while balancing career, family life, and community care. I'm your host, Joy Dixon, a public health professional turned woman in tech and lover of seeing people thrive in their zone of genius. Hello, everyone. Today is a Joyfully Black First. And why is that? Because we have two guests joining us. Our two guests today are folks who are passionate about sickle cell disease and fierce healthcare advocates. And something I want you to consider as we go into this conversation is, you know, how many times have you gone to bat for friends, family members, even perfect strangers? When you notice they needed a strong voice or someone just to step up and speak up. Yeah, I'm sure some some instances are coming to mind, right? But what about the many times that you may have put your own well-being to the curb despite being an advocate for everyone else? Well, on today's show, we are joined by Tanika Hoffman and Acclaim Paul, who will share what allows them to thrive while living with sickle cell disease, as well as the power of self-advocacy in maintaining mental and physical wellness. So Tanika is an entrepreneur. She is the owner of a coffee shop in Bangkok, Thailand, and she's also the executive director of the Sickle Cell Coalition of Maryland. We also have Naclaim Paul, who is a registered nurse and specializes in the care of people living with sickle cell disease. She's also a legal nurse and the founder of Sickle Care Solutions. Now, as we dive into this conversation, remember to leave a five-star review and share the Joyfully Black podcast with your friends. Without further ado, let's welcome them to the show. Well, welcome, ladies. Welcome to the show. Thank you for hey. having us. Yes, so glad to have you this afternoon. You know, I always like to level set for uh, my audience. And so, Tanika, I will start off with you. Um mm-hmm. You are a whole entrepreneur in Thailand. I mean, you are black <laughs> starting a, you know, started a business, a coffee shop, might I add, in Thailand. Yeah. I've been there a couple of times. So it's always wonderful to see black people doing the thing in other countries, you know? Yeah. Um, and also, as, as I mentioned, sickle cell, uh, a health cause that is near and dear to your heart. And so I would love to hear a little bit about your journey to this point. I mean, you're an avid traveler. You own a business overseas. What led you to Thailand and what inspired you to take up a business there? Wow, that is such a loaded question. So <laughs> ever, <laughs> ever since I was little, I've always been trying to like itch myself out of the United States. Like I remember being like seven years old and there was this program called People to People where you could like travel the world. They used to send mm-hmm. you like booklets. And I was like, Mom, I gotta go. Like, I got to get out this country. And I've always been like that. And so I did my first like overseas trip when I by myself when I was like 14 to Japan, um, because I was studying Japanese in school. Um, And from a very young age, I always knew that when I was going to go to college, I was going to major in uh, international business, like, I knew it was going to be something like, the idea solidified in high school. I was like, oh, I'm going to go study international business. And so then um, I went to Temple University and studied international business and marketing. Um, and then I got into corporate America. And I was like, hey, this is not me. Like, I can do this, but I, it's not my passion. And so what I started doing was um, taking mission trips around the world. Um, and just serving people. And I've always had a passion for like women's rights, women's issues in particular. Mm-hmm. And so I went to Thailand uh, for the first time, maybe about 13 years ago mm-hmm. um, on a mission trip. And basically the purpose of the mission trip was to set up other mission trips to provide support to women who are in the sex trafficking industry. Because if you know anything about Thailand, um, the, especially like Bangkok and Pattaya and those places, a lot of women make money um, in the commercial sex industry. And so I fell in love with the people. I fell in love with the food. And so I decided I needed to go get my master's degree in international development. And basically what international development is, is the study of poverty and creating solutions to address poverty through programming and economic development and that type of thing. And so um, for my um, 
practicum, I had to serve overseas. And so I decided to go to Thailand and work for an NGO called Nightlight. And NGO works with uh, women who are trafficking from like Africa, Central Asia, Russia, Uzbekistan, you know, those types of places. And, you know, they're forced to, you know, sell their bodies on the street to make a living. And so we work to repatriate them back to their um, countries of origin. Um, But then for Thai women, because they're stuck there, they need like economic programs to get them out. And so I was working with an NGO that provided alternative employment. Um, to those women. And so I fell in love with it. But, you know, I'm a very critical thinker. And I'm like, why isn't people thinking of like, preventative measures? Like, why is it that we're helping these women like once they're like in trap, you know, and, you know, they have gotten used to making this money and living a certain way of life. And now we're trying to convince them to come out. Why can't we think of it from like, uh, what's this like what's like pre-care terms and so one of my best friends um she had a building in uh, northeast thailand um it's called isan and i was like why don't we open up a coffee shop there and do economic you know development and connect with the churches in the local area that does a lot of this work um and so that's how a coffee shop came about and then we were open for two years and then COVID happened and so we closed, but in the next couple of months, we're about to reopen. We're going to relocate and reopen in Bangkok, which is even more amazing because it's going to be even more opportunity. But yeah, we were just, we were doing our thing and then COVID came and <laughs> shut us down because it's a coffee shop. You know, when you go to a coffee shop, you want to sit and talk and you can't do that with COVID. But we're about to reopen very, very soon. So that's exciting. That is amazing. I really appreciate you taking us through that journey, Tanika. Now you're stateside though right now, right? Yeah, I'm in the States right now. Okay. And so you have a team back in Thailand that is helping in Bangkok, you know, specifically helping to um, relaunch with the operations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So my business partner is Thai. So I didn't go into this by myself. I went into it with a very trusted individual. And so she is going to be restarting everything. And then once the coffee shop is, you know, open again, and I feel like it's safe to travel, because um, I have to be careful having sickle cell disease, then I will go and check in on the shop. But because she's already there, I trust her fully to, you know, get things up. And she'll, you know, she's just been updating me, you know, throughout the last couple of weeks. Like, hey, you know, the espresso machine is about to be delivered and I'm about to, you know, hire more staff, that type of thing. So we're getting there. Um, COVID is actually still kind of spreading in Thailand. So we're not trying to like do this huge launch because we have to be very, very careful. I think we're only going to do just like people drop in, get their coffee and then leave type model. Um, but hopefully COVID will disappear soon. I'm praying it disappears soon. Yes, yes. Well, I mean, the fact that, you know, after years of, of traveling overseas and you really saw a cause, you know, with women being trafficked that you're passionate about and finding a way for economic empowerment, that is so outstanding. Oh, thank you. Yes. And then Nick Lane, you know, want to make sure that our audience gets to know your journey. So you're currently a registered nurse and you founded the Sickle Cell Care Solution. So what led you to this path of care? Sure. So I was born in Haiti um, and my parents both have trait and my mom is a nurse. And so that helped in ways, many ways. Um, But I was diagnosed at the age of one. And so from a very young age, even moving to the States at five years old, um, she really approached my care and myself with sickle cell as self-advocacy first. And so she pushed me to really have a voice and, you know, really, you know, told the doctors to approach me, ask me questions. I'm the one experiencing this first and she fills in the gap as a parent, right? And so with that, it really gave me the confidence and the understanding on a personal level of myself and sickle cell, right? And so, of course, mom being Caribbean, (laughs) a nurse, right? She, you know, really was in, it's like really a part of making my decision, partly to go into nursing. She actually didn't want me to because <laughs> of the complications sickle cell can result in, right? And so uh-huh. she knew the mental stress and the overexertion of nursing. She was like, do you really want to do this? And I was like, no, this is really what I want and what I desire for my life. And so, of course, she was going to be supportive. And so I entered nursing school and really wanting to focus on sickle cell disease. And it was one of the things that really, you know, was alarming 
not surprising, but um, sitting in your medical, you know, surgical class, having sickle cell, right? And they just kind of brush over it, right? Like in a two sentence kind of, oh, this is sickle cell. Okay, moving on, right? And so I knew, oh, no, 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 because the illness is so intricate and so unpredictable, right? And um, the hallmark symptom being pain. And so we can touch on that, you know, as we describe what sickle cell is later. But um, exiting nursing school, I really, um, you know, wanted to get my medical, you know, foundation under my belt. So I did medical surgical inpatient, you know, for two years. And then I just happened to meet my one of my very best friends now. <laughs> I didn't know her then in an annual conference for the Sickle Cell um, Disease Association of America. And, you know, minutes into our conversation, I just kind of expressed, I graduated nursing school, interested in sickle cell. You know, I would love to relocate to Maryland because I was in Connecticut at the time. And she says, really? Three months later, (laughs) I moved, right? And so um, I was the only nurse in a small staff, dedicated, passionate, really knowledgeable to help open up the only comprehensive center in all of Maryland. And so we provided not only, you know, well visits, comprehensive care and support and resources, but also the infusion piece, knowing that it is best to take our population of people (laughs) out of the emergency room into a specialized dedicated space where they can really get the compassionate, knowledgeable care that they, everyone Mm -hmm. deserves, right? And so more, re- you know, so I did that for about 10 years and um, I left wanting to really broaden my horizons, right? There's more to nursing. I wanted to kind of be able to come back to sickle cell full time with a wealth of understanding outside of just the infusion center, right? And so I did um, the other side of the fence. Um, where is more proactive care and coordination and case management. So I did that for the last five years. So I'm case management certified um, and did that. I loved it. I It's wonderful being able, because what people don't understand is health outcomes is, you know, kind of a total of a whole picture mm-hmm. and clinical care And what we do and recommend or prescribe is 10% of what makes you a successful health outcome, right? 60 to 80% is based on your choices as an individual and your environment that makes you make the choices that you do, right? So social determinants of health, like where you live, where you work, where you worship, do you have transportation, do you have access to food, right? And case management really helped me to understand that picture. And so, Mm -hmm. but recently my heart was calling me home, back to sickle cell, my passion, and so I launched and and my friend, you know, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't know how, like, right, do I go back full time? You know, um, what's wonderful about, you know, this turn a little bit that we're having, we've made some progress, we have a long way to go. But one of the things that I love about this turn of this year is more focus is coming to sickle cell, right? It's high time. And, um, you know, five, 10 years ago, when you Google nursing positions or positions in sickle cell, you found nothing, no options, but indeed all of a sudden you have like five, 10, you know, you know, whatever it is, which is progress. Right. So in saying that I said, okay, well, he was like, why don't you just start your own thing? And I never saw myself as an entrepreneur. I mean, I would deny it up and down, left, right, backwards, <laughs> forwards. I was like, my own thing, my own business. Oh, no, no, no. But, you know, that kind of like, okay, why not? Why do I have to, you know, stick to one institution and one set of, you know, patient? Why can't I do this on a broader scale, right? Um, because I have the clinical expertise as well as the personal connection. Right. And so I launched Sickle Care Solutions and I stand on as a for nurse consulting. So I stand on three prongs and it's educate, serve and testify. So educate. I do, you know, podcasts, presentations to medical nursing students, as well as healthcare professionals and the public. Right. On what is sickle cell? What are these complications and what you as the person receiving this information can do to help, right? And then um, serve, I help clinical teams actually build their own dedicated centers because what we realized is as much as the emergency room tries, 
they try, but it's full of judgment and stigma and not full understanding of not only the illness, but the individual in front of them, right? And so creating these spaces where you can feel like you're in a space where you can just receive the care you deserve in a specialized environment is key. And then testify, I actually serve as an expert nurse witness and a legal nurse consultant for medical malpractice cases um, for sickle cell. Because I remember being 13 and I was told, you know, if you live past 25, we'll be happy with that. Now, was that exactly what the doctor said? Probably not. I know that now, right? But that's what I walked out of the room with. And so did my parents. Right. And oftentimes, because sickle cell has a lower life expectancy, granted, it's growing in age now because we're living well into our adulthood um, compared to before. Right. Um, The message was still heard that you're going to die early. So when a medical issue, right, or death occurs um, due to medical care or lack thereof or delay, of, <laughs> right? Oftentimes the family's like, oh, okay, we don't need an autopsy. This was kind of an expectation. No, 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 not anymore, right? If the clinical team didn't live up to the scope of their practice, now we can find justice in that and really kind of come to, you know, to the table and say, look, let's review the chart and let's see what really happened, you know? And so doing that work and spreading that message of no, it's no longer the expectation for us to have an early death, right? Um, right. And sometimes they do everything they could and things still happen, right? Just the severity of the illness, that is possible. But in case that's not the case, Let's make sure justice is served. So, you know, I, I'm really new. I'm just about coming on a year in May of launching this. And so um, it's my passion. I'm so happy to be able to do talks like this. And yeah, that's my business in a nutshell. And, and Nicolette, I mean, you have a wealth of experience, even though your, your business is a year old, you've been doing this for years. And, and the thing is, this is your lived experience. Yeah. So you can really relate to the struggles um, and unique challenges that some of your patients might be going through. And, and just to connect the dots a little bit, I mean, that's actually how, you know, in a way how you and Tanika cross paths. Is that right? Yes. Yep. I was like, oh my gosh, wait, she's a nurse. Oh my gosh, two, she has sickle cell. Oh my gosh, three, she's treating me. We have to be friends. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I think what it is, is when, especially when you have a dedicated space, your patients become family, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and you really understand what they're going through and who their family is, right? What their support system. And so, yes, uh, Tanika was in, unfortunately, we, and, and because sickle cell is so intricate and so unpredictable, you can need us or healthcare or institutions at any time, right? There's no predicting, there's no pattern to it. And so it just happened to be one of the times that she had to come into the infusion center and we just got to talking right in between doses. And we're just like, wait, what? What do you do? <laughs> Tell me more, connect with me, let's vibe, right? And yeah, a couple of years later, this is kind of, you know, turned into a true friendship and we're trying to work together in ways to provide resources for the community mm-hmm. as best as we can. So uh, I love hearing about those organic, uh, yes. how they just develop. And it's like you were meant to meet at the right place and right time. And so there may be some oh people who are listening today who are somewhat familiar with sickle cell, like they heard about it. They know maybe a cousin down the line had it or maybe a friend they went to school with. Could one of you share what is sickle cell and how do folks usually find out that they that how they have it? So basically, sickle cell disease is a group of red um, blood cell disorders. So basically, a normal uh, red blood cell is the shape of a donut. And donuts are very flexible and pliable. And they can easily float through your capillaries, which are tiny little blood vessels and the big ones. And they bounce off of each other and they flow and they live their happy lives going through, you know, the vessels. Sickle cells are these very sharp, sticky, rigid type shell of cells. They are basically got their name from the farming tool sickle because of its shape. 
Um, and because they are not like these flexible, very juicy donuts, they can't easily travel through um, the blood vessels and even smaller blood vessels like capillaries. And so what ends up happening is these sticky, rigid cells begin to pile up on top of each other inside of these vessels, and it causes a blockage. Um, and so the cells aren't able to move, and it results in what we call a vasoocclusive crisis, but pain crisis for short. When you have a pain crisis, these cells, they can't move and it causes excruciating pain. You have to be mindful that because blood flows everywhere, you can have a sickle cell pain crisis anywhere. Um, but for most patients that have sickle cell crisis in their joints, um, their knee joints, their arm joints, their shoulders, um, that type of thing. And because these blood cells can't carry oxygen, um, because the round donut shapes, they, they're able to carry oxygen and our cells are deformed and can't hold that oxygen, that protein, we don't basically get oxygen to our organs. It's, I, always, I was always like to think of it as like, we're almost like starving of oxygen on the inside. Mm -hmm. And all of this damage is happening because our body cells cannot give enough oxygen when needed. And so sickle cell disease came about um, because 3,000, 4,000 years ago, one of our ancestors somewhere in West Africa was like, our genetics, like, I'm getting tired of this malaria parasite getting into us and like killing us. And so our bodies tried to fight against malaria. And so that's how sickle cell trait came about to be a defense against malaria. And research has shown that if you have sickle cell trait, you have some type of somewhat of an immunity. You don't get as sick as someone who doesn't have sickle cell trait. Um, and so that's how sickle cell disease came about when one parent has a trait of sickle cell, let's just say sickle cell trait, and then another parent has sickle cell trait. And then when they come together, there's a one in 25% chance with each pregnancy that that child would have sickle cell disease. But this all came about in defense of malaria. So that's why sickle cell disease is not just found in Black people. It's found in people who are from the Arabic Peninsula, a Mediterranean, Indians, anywhere where malaria is prone, you have some type of um, mutation that happens so that our bodies can have a defense against malaria. Mm -hmm. So that's sickle cell, like in a nutshell. In a yeah, nutshell. I, I appreciate you sharing that, Tanika. I mean, it's, it's, it was an adaptation, right, that was meant to protect us. But now that malaria exactly. is not so prevalent where many people live, um, or at least in the United States, um, it's still affecting people negatively today. And I know as far as when people think about whether their child will be born with sickle cell disease, you mentioned, you know, before today's episode about the importance of testing. Um, and many times some people do get, you know, regular blood work done when they do their well visits each year. And then, of course, we know some people who don't go to the doctor that often at all for, you know, health insurance reasons or otherwise. Maybe Nick Lane share a little bit about the importance of that testing and and how people should be advocates for themselves. Sure. So just for a little bit of um, U.S. like context history, back in um, 1972, the Black Panthers, like in the 70s, right, they did a lot of community grassroots effort on really raising awareness um, because this disease was killing us, right? Mm -hmm. And so what happened essentially is in 1972, Nixon signed the Sickle Cell Control Act. And that really brought about testing, comprehensive center, understanding, education, awareness seminar, right? So, um, and one of the things that ushered in from that is mandatory newborn screening. So it wasn't until 2006 that all states were now mandatory. Every newborn born in the U.S. gets mandatory newborn screening, no matter black, white, doesn't matter, right? All newborns get um, genetic testing that includes sickle cell trait and or sickle cell disease, right? So we really get to find out newborn. So what does that mean, right? So before 2006, let's just say, right, depending on where you live, but before 2006, you gen, if you were born before then, you genuinely may not know you carry sickle cell trait. 
right? Yes, there mm-hmm. can be complications that arise having sickle cell trait because if your body, like let's say athletes, military, right? If it's pushed to an exertional level and even others, right? Pregnancy, there are certain things that really take your body to an extent when you carry the trait that can exhibit complications and symptoms of sickle cell, right? Mm-hmm. But majority of times sickle cell is asymptomatic sickle cell trait is asymptomatic so you don't really on a day-to-day basis exhibit pain which is a hallmark symptom or complications of sickle cell and so in saying that often people for generations before did not know and so what happens is when you now have trait and now like Sega said you produce a child with somebody who carries the trait unbeknownst to you, now you have the ability to birth a child that has sickle cell disease, right? And so testing is important. We we have to understand the power of our community, right? Because the Black Panther Party and other advocacy groups and community-based organizations really rallied together. Somebody, um, you may not know that self-advocacy came from the civil rights movement. Like that was a term that kind of spawned from that time, right? Because we needed to advocate for ourselves. And so we initiated the need to test. And so one of the things that we really want to push is, yes, you have to almost at this point in adulthood, especially ask to be tested specifically for trait. So it's not something that is part of your routine labs, right? You have to specifically ask for that because it is tough when you are expecting a child now, now to be confronted with this news and kind of have to start to educate yourself from ground zero, right? And Mm -hmm. one of the things that we really um, want to raise is the awareness and education because what's important about that is, you know, I love Oprah, so I'm always going to call her, but when you know better, you do better, right? And so not only is it important, so right now, for example, the Red Cross, they want to incorporate sickle cell trait testing into blood donorship, right? Like if you're in the process of donating blood, you can actually get sickle cell trait tested, right? Also, there are bills like for health fairs to incorporate trait testing because oftentimes people don't know. And so mm-hmm. it's important to know, you know, your status, knowing your status is always associated with HIV. But I think in general, just knowing who you are and your genetics really can set you up for success as a potential parent or a family member or a supporter, right? Because even let's say, um, we, as Tanika explained, we turn over ourselves very frequently, right? We're constantly trying to compensate our, for ourselves within our bone marrow, but oftentimes that's not the case, right? Because when you have certain complications, you may need a blood transfusion, like emergently, right? Or on the other hand, there are some individuals who have a more severe case of sickle cell where they actually rely on blood transfusion on a monthly basis. And why do Mm -hmm. I say that is because if you understand your status as whether you're a trait carrier or not, then you can help the community of which you are a part of by sponsoring a blood drive or donating. So we can have freed up units to come over to us because traditionally, And there's a lot of historical trauma context to it for the Black community, right? We can't ignore that, right? Because, you know, stories such as Henrietta Lacks and, you know, um, Tuskegee experiment, we have to understand where we came from, but we also need to really acknowledge where we're trying to go. And we can't live in the past because then we can't have a successful future. So their work is being done. We've made some progress. A lot more progress to go, but it's important to be tested, but you have to specifically ask for it. Mm. Yeah. And then as far as what to ask, um, if you do have health insurance and you do have a primary care doctor, you can for to be tested for sickle cell trait, you can ask them for electrophoresis analysis and their phthalacemia at HPLC test. These specific specific tests will tell you exactly what's going on. Um, in your genetics. Another way around this is if you don't have, and I have a blog, chronicallysickle.com. I talk about this. 
Um, another way you can do it is do like 23andMe. Um, they offer health assessments for like an extra $20. And then they'll sequence all of your DNA and tell you all of the traits that you have. And so like, I just did it for fun, but it definitely, it pulled up my, you know, sickle cell trait from my mom and my hemoglobin C from my dad, um, because we don't have a lot of time to go in depth with sickle cell, but there are eight different types of sickle cell. There's actually, those are, there are eight primarily forms of sickle cell, but there are others that we can't talk about. But um, you, you, if you get these two tests, it'll cover the majority um, that you could possibly have of traits in your body. But like 23andMe or Ancestry.com um, with the health benefit added on will tell you what you're pre, uh, pre, pre, uh, what you're pre-proposed to or disposed to, I mean, is what I want to say. And if you have certain traits, like it tells you like things like if you're a night owl versus if you have like green hair or green eyes or like blue hair or even though that's not a thing but it just it goes very in depth and it's really fun to see your ancestry because it tells you that but it also tells you your traits as well Mm -hmm. I mean you all are really just speaking to the importance of knowing yourself knowing your your health history within your family you know Nicolene something that you mentioned during your story was when you were a little girl and the doctor basically said that having the sickle cell trait, having sickle cell disease could be a death sentence. And as I look at you all today, you know, despite, you know, a key marker is pain. I mean, you all have been able to build lives that you enjoy in spite of perhaps, you know, episodes that have been quite painful and quite challenging. Could both of you speak to how have you been able to continue to pursue your goals um, despite, you know, sometimes having episodes or, um, or other challenges that come with living with sickle cell disease? Mm, That's a great question. (laughs) Tanika, do you want to go first? Yeah, for me. Okay. So like, for example, sickle cell patients, technically we shouldn't fly. So it's like thinking about ways you can overcome your obstacles um, and do what you want to do. I mean, I've had so many hematologists when I was a kid, like, you should not be flying. And I'm like, whatever. So, like, first of all, you got to ignore the naysayers. And then you have to create solutions that fit for yourself. So I know, okay, sickle cell patients don't have enough oxygen. I'm going into a plane cabin that might suck oxygen away from me. How do I prepare? Well, I need to make sure that I dress properly. I need to make sure I buy a really huge uh, water bottle so that I can stay hydrated throughout the whole flight. I know that sometimes I need to do a layover somewhere so I can get a hotel and take a break, sleep 24 hours, and then get on another plane out. You know, you have to create solutions for yourself that works for you and your goals and thinking outside of the box. And so for me, thinking outside of the box is planning my trip way before I got on that plane, making sure that all my pills were lined up, you know, making sure that I had the water bottle, making sure that I went and told my doctor, hey, I'm about to go back to Thailand, make sure I'm okay, you know. And then even once I got into Thailand, not hitting the ground running the first 24 hours, which I had to learn. I mean, when I was younger, I used to just get off the plane and go to meetings. But now I get off the plane and I go shower or take a bath or sleep or you know I give myself a day to recoup and you know when you're younger you're like go 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 but when you get older you learn like wisdom and wisdom tells me like the first 48 hours off of a plane I just need to chill and it's okay to chill like I don't have to people please I don't have to be at the meeting you know 24 hours or five hours after I landed you know no I'm gonna take time for me I'm gonna make sure I'm well rested I'm gonna make sure that my body is acclimating right to whatever land I just landed in and then I'll hit the ground running so it's just having the strength to say no to people but also having the strength to understand what your limitation is and then create solutions based upon your limitations yeah Tanika thank you for sharing that it sounds like it's really forced you in a way to have boundaries well to to protect your well-being and I'm so I'm, I'm really glad you pointed it out and Nick Lane what about what about you Sure. One of the things that I do want to mention by starting to answer this is, you know, we are coined, um, you know, sickle cell warriors, right? Mm -hmm. Because it really is a (laughs) warrior aspect because some, depending on the severity. Okay. So let me say it this way. 
no two individuals living with sickle cell disease experience sickle cell disease the same. So my trigger won't necessarily be your trigger. And when I say trigger, that means, you know, the, the environments in which we put our body and our cells in deoxygenated states. So like your most common triggers is infection number one, right? Mm -hmm. um, overexertion, dehydration, high altitudes, like Tanika said, um, stress, emotional and physical overexertion, right? And so one of the things you understand is you are born with this, right? So you, as a child, much like your brain and your knowledge, you also learn your body, right? And uh -huh. so you start to understand, oh, okay, I, I'm doing too much. <laughs> or, oh, okay, this kind of causes me to go into a, a, triggers me to go into a painful episode. And so with that, sometimes despite all the efforts, <laughs> right? That you tailor and you adjust and you still unfortunately can experience a crisis. That's what makes it so unpredictable, right? Uh -huh. And so in saying that, you have to set, I can't say it as well as Tanika, like you have to set boundaries. You learn yourself and your limitations, right? And being aware enough in self-advocacy and empowerment to say, you know what? I can't do that, right? Or okay. if, instead of going for four hours, I'm going to go for one or two, right? Um, no, I can't go dancing in the club with you for three, four hours. I may need a couch to sit down. So let's get VIP. You know what I mean? Like I'm being funny, but really that's what it is, right? For example, mm -hmm. to give you a great like real life scenario that I and we had to encounter, it's Six Flags. Who doesn't love a family day at Six Flags, right? But I have to think what Six Flags looks like. I have mm -hmm. to think through that for me, right? Because $20 for a water bottle, right? Expensive, but still necessary. The wave pool, the cold water, and then now entering back into the hot sun, right? What mm -hmm. does that look like for me? The large part, just the nature of what Six Flags is, right? Can I walk around all day? No, I'm going to have to schedule my rest periods and my family's going to have to understand, like, let me chill, <laughs> right? Or winter, can I go out snowball fighting with my brother for a couple no. hours no probably not right and so really it's just learning yourself but one thing I want to always push as a clinician and an individual living with sickle cell disease is it's important to know not only your own personal self and you know tied to your illness but also understanding the illness because what I came to find out oftentimes and I think Tanika touched on this is even the basics of sickle cell is not 100% understood. Like when you go to your doctor's appointments, be involved in the conversation. Meaning, what are you looking at to determine this as your recommendation? Like teach me on a level that I can understand because oftentimes we're spoken to and they're rushing us through a 15, 20 minute appointment. I mean, you're slotted for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, but is it ever that long? No, <laughs> right? Like, you know, you feel like you're rushed through. So oftentimes one of the things that I recommend is start a pocket notebook, keep it in your purse, uh -huh. the back of your jeans, right? Ask your question, say, you know what, during this appointment, like right up front, these are the three things I want to discuss. Let's just make sure we review. You know what I mean? Be a part of your care because from there you can really start to navigate how you live life. At first, sickle cell was a pediatric illness. We were dying at five years old, 10, 15. We were not seeing adulthood. Now the life expectancy is well into our 40s on average. And so with that, our minds have to change. Our understanding has to change. And our awareness of not only ourselves, but also the illness has to change because we're changing, right? And we're all in this together. So I think that is, to me, the key piece is not only understanding yourself and your illness, but understanding the illness itself. Yeah. Yeah, you're totally right. Oh, good. Okay. Well, I'm, yes, this is, this is really helpful for folks who may be listening and have family members um, that have the sickle cell trait or uh, living with sickle cell disease. And I, I am curious, I mean, you all spoke of creating boundaries, mostly because your your well-being depends on it. And so I'm mm -hmm. wondering, um, 
how have you, what other tools would you say are in your self-care toolbox that kind of help keep you going during a uh, sickle cell crisis or even just during a, a tough period? I mean, you're both are entrepreneurs. Uh, Tanika, you are flying back and forth to Thailand and different countries, even though technically, you, you know, doctors wouldn't necessarily advise that. So what other what items are would you say are in your self-care or mental wellness toolbox? I don't care what people think. <laughs> Honestly. Um, I feel like if I'm passionate about something, I'm gonna do it whether you like, you know, say you agree or you don't agree, honestly. That's just because of how I'm right. Everyone's not like that. But for me, I honestly genuinely don't care. Like if God has put something in my heart to do to help people, I'm going to do it. Now, what I have to be careful about is overexerting myself. And that's why I said, as I got older, I've learned boundaries, but some tools like, um, I don't know, like if I feel like I need to go to sleep or take a nap, I'm just going to take a nap. Like, I'm not going to like beat around the bush or, you know, if my family's like, oh, you know, like, let's take Nikki's example at Six Flags. If my sister, which has happened, you know, she has caught attitudes when I wanted to take a break. And I'm like, but wait, you don't have to live with this, right? And so for me, it, I've always had to be vocal because if you don't live with a disability, um, ableism, is, which is a very popular term right now, People don't understand that it, it may take you zero to get out of the bed. It takes me at least a 10 just to get out of bed because people with sickle cell resistance, we have chronic pain. We're always in pain every single day of our lives. And so if we're telling you we need to stop because the park is too big or if, you know, you feel like, you know, we're in a bad attitude because we, you know, are having pain, like I've honestly had to get thick skin and honestly just ignore people because they don't live in this body. And so, you know, if anyone is listening, I would say, you know, in a respectful way, you know, set those boundaries and know what you can handle. Like if you feel like you need a day off to go get your nails done or a massage, you know, and you, you're go, go, go for everyone else. Like, no, you know, if you're on the plane, the plane crash, they always say, put the mask over your face first before you help someone else. Go get that massage, you know, go get your nails done, go do something that makes you happy, whether it's going to eat out, you know? And so for me, whatever I need to enjoy in that moment, that's what I grab to. Like, I don't have like a go-to per se, you know? Mm -hmm. If it's me taking two hours to watch a Netflix video, then that's what it is. Or if I wanna, you know, there's been times before COVID and I'm like, I need to get out to the United States. And I'll just hop on a plane and go to Thailand for a week or two and then come back. Um, so whatever, whatever it is that makes you happy, you go for that, but you also know your boundaries. And honestly, sometimes you just got to have an I don't care attitude because that's what I have. Like people's feelings and when it comes to my health doesn't bother me because they don't live with this thing. You know, they're not the ones that's going to be admitted in the hospital for a month at a time by themselves because I didn't set up, you know, the appropriate boundaries. And people like, you could be mean sometimes, Tanika, you could be harsh. No, it's not that. It's just that I know that my body doesn't function like a normal human body. And I know that if I overdo it, I can be on my deathbed where you can't. And so you just have to know your body, you have to know your spirit. You can't let everyone to see your space too. I'm very cautious about who I let into my space. I don't like a lot of negativity, you know, all of that stuff eats at you, you know, you might not feel it or you might feel it, but you might not know, but just be protective of who you are as an individual, I would say. But like I said, I don't have a go-to. I just, whatever pops in my head, I do it, you know, within reason. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Tanika. And what about you, McLean? Sure. So my toolkit of self-care, my number one tool is forgiveness of self. Mm. So I think I have always had this, you know, this I want to do and I want to please and I want to be there for everyone. Right. And I had to come to a point in my life as an adult because as you age, you do kind of, you know, sickle cell doesn't get better per se, right? Like it, it right. you know, it can get more severe as you age. And um, so one of the things that I had to learn is forgiveness of self. It's just, no, I, I, I couldn't do that because I know myself and, you know, it's, it's not so much what other people think, but what more is best for you. 
I think, so I think that's my number one tool. And I had to really like gain that along the way because I always had this guilt attached to not being able to do X, Y, Z when X, Y, Z was needed to be done, right? And that goes along with setting your boundaries and discovering the word no. <laughs> like that was a big word for me to discover. Another mm-hmm. tool that has really helped me is, and I said this before, but I love her. Oprah um, kind of, you know, discusses this gratitude journal. I remember, you know, I'm not like every day, I'm not on it as much um, as some, but one of the things that I remember doing is looking back to one of my diary journals from years before. And it was, oh, what was me? And oh my God, did this happen here? And right, like it was just the, this is what happened to me, right? Usually negatively. And for what I learned from her is changing that perception, like changing the perspective of, you know what, at the end of the day, write down in your journal three to five things that you are grateful for specific to that day. So Mm -hmm. it's not, oh, I love my family. Oh, I love my significant other, whatever it is, right? It's Oh, you help me, God or whoever, right? Who is your spiritual, you know? Um, you help me to escape this accident when I was distracted for two seconds. Or, oh my goodness, I caught the mail, you know, the post office right on time. I was the last person in the door, right? Because what happens is it's like, oh shoot, I gotta write five things at the end of the day. So let me look starting the beginning of the day at the things that make me grateful, right? And that really changes your heart and your mind because then you become more, you know, open to the blessings and the gratitude that you have. Mm -hmm. That's another tool. Um, For me, I can't say enough because a lot of people don't understand that this is truly a trigger um, for sickle cell, but mental health and stress is definitely a trigger to crisis. And so arming yourself with therapy and support, even if it's not the traditional therapy, though I advocate for that personally, I think everybody should at one point or another experience therapy, but also who is your trusted confidant? And does that person feed you? Because I think you need to be fed in order to, you know, propel your life forward. It's like, maybe you think too much internally and you need to just express yourself to a non-biased party to help you see another perspective, right? And then Mm -hmm. my last thing for me is I always stand on education and awareness. I've said it many times already, but I think we have to come to a point where to set boundaries, it's not only saying no, it's expressing the why, right? Because then you'll have, you'll find yourself less needing to say no because people already understand, right? It's like, well, no, I can't because you know what? I'll probably be too tired by the end of the day or yesterday was super, you know what I mean? Busy for me. Let me just kind of, no, I'm not going to go out this today because I need to just kind of take a rest, you know? And I think the more that just helps our community as a black community, but then also that helps our sickle cell community because there are some patients that say they can't even speak to their family, like I said, about having sickle cell because of the judgment, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you understand, but you raise people around you's education and awareness, it helps alleviate your stress because they kind of already coming from a place of understanding when you do have to set those boundaries as opposed to just saying a hard no, right? So those are my top tools because, and the love of people and family and friends and, you know, just really like when I feel like I need to be up upgraded a little bit, you know, I kind of seek out the love of them, right? And wonderful conversations. But one of the things I do want to mention, and I would remiss if I don't, is in the clinical setting, those who live with sickle cell, again, are born with sickle cell, right? So not only do they have tools, but they have coping mechanisms. I am tired of hearing a doctor or a nurse give to me a report, oh, they were on their cell phone. So how can they be in so much pain? That is the way we cope, right? It's reading, it's distraction, it's watching TV. So don't perceive my coping mechanism as a way to, you know what I mean? Somehow make you have a false perception that I'm not really in pain. 
It's no, Mm -hmm. this is what I need to do for myself in order to cope with what I'm dealing with. So those are my tools. I I really appreciate what both of you shared around your your mental health and self-care toolbox. And even you, you know, Tanika with saying that you you've developed a thick skin and really as a way to make sure that you're protecting your health and well-being. You know, that is a part of your toolbox, you know, and what you both really made crystal clear to me as I was listening is around this, this area of how people are living with invisible disabilities. That, that's a whole other, you know, conversation, but, you know, how to navigate living with, uh, you know, invisible disability, as well as with people who you love and care for, who may be living with invisible disabilities. And in acclaim, what popped up for me also around this pain management piece is right in that many times Black people, people of color, particularly Black people, do not get the pain management that they need because uh, in, in some healthcare settings, because they're seen as being able to take, you know, a certain level of pain. Or as you just said, you know, a person may be in a, in a, in a uh, sickle cell crisis, maybe trying to distract themselves from the pain because it's all they can do to not fall on the floor. And I really just ad- admired the way both of you all have continued to persevere and, and be advocates, not only for yourself, but also for mm-hmm. other people who are living with uh, the sickle cell trait or sickle cell disease specifically. And it's really teaching you know our listeners how to not only be compassionate if they if they have people in their lives that are living with sickle cell disease, but ways that if they are living with it themselves, how they can continue to, to manage and thrive and advocate. And, you know, there is a, a quote that I always like to share with guests by, by Jean Bolin. And it says, um, when you discover something that nourishes your soul and brings you joy, care enough about yourself to make room for it in your life. And, you know, there's mm-hmm. a couple things that you mentioned, so you, you don't have to reiterate something you mentioned before, but I'm curious, what nourishes your soul so much that you absolutely create space for it? Hmm. That is a great That's a question. good question. <laughs> <laughs> I had to pick on that. Wow. I, for me, oh, go ahead, Nikki. No, go ahead, Tanika. Go ahead. I was going to say, I've always made space for two things in my life. That has been travel and church. Those, like, those two things I've always made space for. Like, I've always made sure that I was in, like, a good, like, church where the support system was, like, there. Um, And then I've always, like I said, before COVID, if I was like, man, I'm getting tired of the U.S., I would also always make sure that I, 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 I'm a fervent saver. So I will always make sure there was money in my account. So if I needed to go to Thailand and spend that thousand dollars, it was there. And I would, I would, my mom's like, you snake out this country so fast. Like literally like Monday, I'd be like, I'm getting tired of the U.S. You know, Wednesday, the flight would be booked and I would be on the plane by Saturday. (laughs) Free COVID. <laughs> so, um, you know, whatever you're passionate I about, <laughs> I know sickle cell has slowed me down so much. She is so I call her she. She is so annoying. Um, yeah, that's what I used to do. Um, I hopefully I can get back to that soon. Um, but I just whatever it is that you're passionate about, I feel like you should make room for that passion. So, like, say if you love painting. You should say to yourself every day, I'm going to dedicate 30 minutes, no matter what the paint. You have to find out what relaxes you, what you consider self-care, and then set up a plan to do whatever it is that you're passionate about that will protect you and help you think and create boundaries and that type of thing. And for me, it was always, you know, having a great church family and then also having the money in my bank account. So when I got tired of American culture, I could dip. Oh, Tanika, you you sound like me. I always make sure I have enough. So if I want to go on a quick trip, it's like I'm out of here. I love. Yeah, I love. So you know that means not eating out with my friends, right? That means saying no because my personal care is traveling. So I would love to go out with you, but I'm not going out with you every week because I need to take a certain amount of my income to save so that I can do what really makes me happy. 
Mm-hmm. Right. You're very intentional about making room for those things. And that's wonderful to me. What about you, Nicolene? I mean, I kind of... Yeah, I kind of ended my tool list with the love of family. I think, you know, just conversing and visiting, like, for example, my sister and her husband, they were in Massachusetts for years until last year they moved to Maryland. And so now it's a weekly, okay, I have to make time to be with them, right, for some time of the, you know, weekend. And so for me, it's it's always been the people that I have surrounded myself, small circle, but that is what fuels me because the love of them, you know, love of them, you know, from them to me, me to them is what really kind of keeps me going. Um, also, too, I think I love a little trash TV. Okay. <laughs> right? Like I lay out when I'm just done and the day is over and I'm like, okay, I'm going to watch one reality, right? Like I'm not so big on reality shows, but something to just turn my brain off, right? And mm-hmm. why does it always have to be something? It doesn't always have to be something productive, right? It's, you know what? This is for me just so I can laugh and, you know, mm-hmm. realize that some people have it really rough out there and okay, right? It's just, you know, a little humor at the end of the day has really helped me. And um, I actually incorporate um, meditation as part of my first thing I do in the morning. So, you know, just kind of saving time for self and just kind of reflect. And that's the first one of the first things I do in the morning. And um, again, forgiveness of self. If one morning I choose to skip it. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. And um, so that's one of the things. And I do uh, traveling resonates with me so much, Tanika. Yes. Um, You know, so planning my next trip and, you know, things like that. But People having amazing people around you, I think always helps and um, conserving your energy when you can by watching a little, you know, a few things that, you know, dead a few brains <laughs> right at the end of the day and just laugh. And I think humor plays a big part because, you know, that's really is healing. There are studies that prove that like laughter brings healing. And so sometimes we just need a little humor, even if it is something about somebody tripping on the side, you know what I mean? Whatever it is like, right. Just something to make you laugh at the end of the day can really help. That is mm-hmm. that is so true. So Nicole, you know I have to ask. So what what reality show are you watching these days? Oh my goodness, are you doing this right now? Oh, <laughs> I love um, t- uh, Tommy nephew Tommy. The oh yes, in the ready, the ready to love. Ready to okay, <laughs> and then love is blind. Oh my gosh, oh, what I is going on love in this world? Blind. Okay, <laughs> yes, I used to watch The Bachelor and Bachelorette, but. I kind of let go of that (laughs) as of late, but you know, it's things like that. And I've watched every episode of SVU since the beginning of time. And um, so, you know, just things that kind of bring me joy. And sometimes it's just curling underneath the covers and a great comforter just to laugh. And, you know, it's just, it's amazing in a way. Laughter is, is such a great medicine. Well, Tanika, McLean, I am so glad that you spent some time with us today on Joyfully Black. And before we go, um, Tanika, first, would you share how people can stay in touch with you online? Yeah, sure. So you guys can uh, visit my website, which is chroniclysickle.com. It's C-H-R-O-N-L-Y sickle, S-I-C-K-L-E.com. And you can send me messages, you can read my blog. And I respond. So, yeah, that's how you can get in touch with me. Thanks, Tanika. What about you, McLean? Me, I have a website. So you can go to www.sicklecaresolutions with an S.org. And my email address is npaul.rn at sicklecaresolutions.org. Wonderful. Well, thank you once again. This has been such a great conversation, a lot of learning ahead and look forward to connecting with you all soon. Thank you so much for what you do. Thank you. Thank you. It was great having Tanika and McLean with us today. One of my biggest takeaways is the power of self-advocacy, taking the opportunity to know your rights and responsibilities, stand up for them, and to make choices about your own life. I want you to understand the impact of self-advocacy and let it propel you to speak out for what you need. Which leads me to this week's quick question. How will you advocate for what you need this week? 
Let us know by DMing Joyfully Black on IG or sending us an email at joyfullyblack at gmail.com. We'll share a few of your responses in a future episode. And that's today's show. Thank you for joining us this week on Joyfully Black. Be sure to visit our website, www.joyfullyblk.com, where you can subscribe to the show so you'll never miss an episode. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, be sure to subscribe, share the show with a friend, and leave a five-star view wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next week, stay in the black, y'all.